We're continuing where we left off. Uh, again, it is February 23rd, 2020, and we're ready to, be, to continue with our worship service. Let's um, have the thought of the week and prayer by Dwight. All right, and here our thought of the week is taken from the beginning of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. This verse stands to explain how we receive the tremendous blessings of saving grace. Further, these grace blessings are beyond any display of grace prior to this age and is the greatest demonstration for the future. It stands as a moment to the incomparable riches of his grace bestowed upon us. How did we get here? It is by grace. The, the phrase, you have been saved, speaks of the time in the past. Paul assumes those who, to whom he is speaking are saved and is explaining to them how they received this great salvation. The very basis of it is God's grace. There's no other way of salvation, even though the world has plenty of ways to consider. There is only one way that will produce the desired result, salvation. Some groups do not like this verse very much because it excludes any human contribution to salvation. You cannot help God or assist in any way. The whole of it is God's grace. Notice it was a past action that they have been saved. Salvation is a completed act, even though we don't have all the benefits of it yet. We can rest regarding salvation. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in, in you will, can carry it, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6. It is not our work, it is God's, and it is sure. Since it doesn't depend on us, it cannot, it cannot fail. Now, I am not encouraging you to claim you are saved without actually being saved. As this verse unfolds in Ephesians 2.8 and 9, you should examine the way of salvation stated here and judge for yourself by this standard. I cannot pronounce you saved, but God certainly can, as long as you approach salvation on his terms. And that is the thought of the week. And for commentary, I don't know that I could add much to that. It's one of the basic fundamental principles of understanding salvation is how it is by grace and not of works. It is a gift of God, nothing that we can boast about, not something that we have earned. In fact, if we try to earn it, it's only going to show that we are resisting it as a free gift. So let us be open to approaching salvation on his terms and let us understand what those are. And unfortunately, yes, the world has many other ways that it is considering for salvation, but those do not apply. Those are not accurate. They all, reduce, they all um, result in a failed salvation, salvation which is not real. There is only one way that will produce the desired result, and that is the salvation that is on God's turn. And at this time, I'd like to offer prayer for anybody who has any special requests, I will, of course, pray for our families and um, the church as well. Is there anything in addition to that anyone would like to add? Okay. Rather quiet, but that's, that's quite all right. Here we go. Let us bow our heads before God. Dear Father in heaven, we know that you have given us beautiful things, glorious things, riches beyond our belief and, well, according to our belief, the belief that you have given us, the hope that is in your word, 
but certainly far beyond anything that we could have asked or imagined. And it all starts with walking through that door of entry, that door of salvation. And I pray for any of those who might be hearing this or anybody that we come in contact with, that they would be opening to hearing salvation on your terms. I pray for all of Word is Truth Church, the ones on this call, and anybody associated with the church, and all of our families and extended family members. Pray for them as well, their welfare, especially their spiritual welfare. And I pray also for the, the, um, the church worldwide, understanding that there are many things that are distracting people from the Word of God. The, the devil, the prince of the power of the air of this age is definitely very active. And it takes humility to understand what God's perspective is on this. And I also pray for those who might be uh, suffering either physically or financially um, or whatever the case might be. I pray for those um, that God would watch out for them. I think we all have somebody on our hearts. Um, that would fit into that category and um, also pray for anybody who might be traveling or working on this day that you can um, that you can give them a peaceful rest to their destination and um, I also pray lastly that the word from our pastor's mouth would be edifying to us and build us up in the hope and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and in his name I pray amen amen Thank you, Dwight. We are going to continue <clears throat> where we left off. It's, it's uh, John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. You have notes, hopefully, in front of you. And it reads, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In your notes, have you ever been a part of a team? Some have rejected the idea of working on a team because it is more work, in their view, to depend on others to accomplish the objective. They would rather do the extra work, even if they have to work harder, than depending on motivating and uh, depending on others to perform tasks. However, when it comes to the church, we cannot think in these ways. We must depend on each other, just as, uh, for, for, quote, for just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We must learn to respect the gifts and contributions of our fellow believers. Then we must recognize that we, be that we belong to the other members of the team as well. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are all working toward the same goal the Father's eternal purpose. Let us continue to work together as the plan unfolds, quote, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, unquote. That's in Ephesians 4.13. <clears throat> so that is, I give you that thought just to to say how I had that same reaction when working with teams as well. Sometimes people look at teams as, you know, this is, this is tough because people have to depend on other people to get things done. And not everybody has the same work motivation or ethic when it comes to working. And if you partner with somebody who's not, who doesn't have the same motivation you have, well, there could be some friction so, but when we're thinking about it from our perspective, it's a little different uh, in the church. So, let's do this. Let's get right into this. There's a lot of uh, 
text to, to cover. Let's get right into it. Point one. Christ says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. <clears throat> and I say, the first thought is, what a wonderful promise. For Christ to say he will do whatever we ask in his name. That's tremendous. But notice, in the notes here I have, beware. <laughs> this is not like giving us a blank check. We must understand this in the context it is given or it is simply not true. For people to take this verse out of context and say that I can ask whatever I want and God will give it to me, <laughs> that's not true. I would just say test it right now. Ask for whatever you want right now. Whatever. Ask and let's just test it. See if it's true. If it fails, obviously you know it's not true. Ask to be, a lot of people, you know, when they get older, they think, oh, to be young again would be great. Well, ask God to make you young again. Ask him to make you, if you're 60, 70, tell him to make you 30. Whatever you want. Right? Let's see if it happens. If it doesn't come true, then obviously you have taken this verse out of context. And we don't want to do that. We wouldn't want people taking our words out of context. When we talk, we want them to understand what we mean in the context of what we're saying. Not just taking the words that we used and making them, twisting them into something else. Notice there's the Word of Faith movement I will talk about. Uh, they take these words and they claim them for themselves. And... Uh, Actually, it makes a mess of, and it makes it not even true anymore. Whatever you ask in my name. So let's dig into what this actually means. It has to be according to the context, or like I said, it's simply not true. Point B. Well, what about the context? What is it? They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So there's some caveats to that one. When Christ went to the Father, the Spirit came back. And we went through that last time all about <clears throat> what these greater things were that we are to do as opposed to what um, Christ did. He says, I, if anyone who believes in me will do even greater things than what I've done because I go to the Father. And so he's clearly talking about the administration of the dispensation of the spirit and the mystery that we now have in front of us and how uh, God has established the church and now everybody is identified with the person of Christ and there's no more Jew or Gentile we are one in Christ I mean there's all these differences that we pointed out prior uh, in prior weeks so I won't go through all of that again um, we'll just move move forward. Point C, knowing what the greater things are, which we should know, we learn that we are not alone in fulfilling the Father's eternal purpose. Uh, that's in scripture I used, Ephesians 3.11. Uh, in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That's what Ephesians... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was Ephesians 1.11. It's 3.11, excuse me, that I had in mind. I read the wrong scripture. So 3.11 says simply, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, <clears throat> so there's a purpose going on. The purpose breaks down into a plan. If God has a purpose, then how can he satisfy that purpose but to create a plan in order to, uh, to, to bring into fruition what that purpose is all about? 
So God has a purpose, and we call that purpose the Father's eternal plan or his purpose. The scripture just clearly just says it. It is according to his eternal purpose. Uh, interestingly, the verse in 111 talks about a plan too, as well, according to his will. <clears throat> so whatever we are doing, is an, it is an extension of what God has already set out and done. So we're, we're, we're trying to understand what it means and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So we're not do whatever is is asked is according to the Father's plan. It, it is not just according to whatever we want. And we'll get to that part where it says in my name. Point D. Our Lord continues to lead the plan through us. And when it says Notice, he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. So he's the Lord, right? And he is still, as it were, in play, right? We, we don't just say, well, the Lord is gone now. We don't have to think about him. Everything is now us. No, the Lord is still here in each of us. He is still leading through the mind of Christ. And he's still on the ground, you could say. And, and here is the verse that says it in verse 12b. He says, because I am going to the Father. Right? Uh, going to the Father signifies sending the Spirit. The, the, the Pentecost, as we would say. When Pentecost came, some new dynamics were in play. Christ is able to come in the person, in each person, through this ministry that is uh, going to happen at Pentecost. So that's what he means by, because I am going to the Father. Right. So point E, let's get into the whatever you ask part. Whatever you ask, and I say whatever you ask according to the Father's eternal purpose. Since we're on the same team, Right? So the, the team is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and uh, obviously there is uh, pastors and teachers and apostles and all of that, right? Gifts that, that flow. Even apostle is a gift. It's a leadership gift. But all of that is under the ministry of the Holy Spirit who has distributed gifts according to his will. Christ is the first one who distributed the gifts after that. The Holy Spirit is said to distribute the gifts. So all of that is the team, right? It's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all those in the church who are in Christ who have various gifts. When we think of it that way, we can see that um, it's the same team. Now, when we say the, the thought was to emphasize the purpose, right? So when it says, ask whatever you want according to the Father's eternal purpose. That's how we have to see this. There's a plan. So all of us are on the same team according to what? what what's the, the goal of the team? To fulfill the Father's eternal purpose. That's the goal. Now, if we thought the plan was just to be on earth and just to show love to everybody and, and to be, you know, saved and... No, the Father has a purpose that is even greater than all of those ideals. And they may be good ideals, but the Father's eternal purpose supersedes everything. There is nothing that can supersede this because everything that was uh, that we see happening all around you in this world, right, whatever human history was to up to this point and will be in the future, is all around the Father's eternal purpose. Everything is according to that. There's nothing that happens in this world that is not according to the Father's eternal purpose. And as I said, the players, the Father himself, the Son, the Holy Spirit, uh, the church, with all of its various gifts, are on the same team and all focused on the Father's eternal purpose. To the extent that we 
are not focused on that, well, we are not focused on the proper um, understanding and knowledge that has been given to us here in the scripture. It's clearly, clearly saying that it's the Father's eternal purpose. So there are some, uh, some scripture in, with regard to this. And so it says, we will ask in accordance with the Father's will, just as our Lord did when he was on the battlefield. And there's some scripture that just kind of says the same thing. So when Christ was here, he was playing the role that he had and fulfilling the purpose. I'm going to turn to some of those passages uh, and we'll look at them. John 4, 34 says it this way. My food, Jesus says, uh, and this is in context with the woman at the well, the whole thing, and Christ, the disciples went to get him food. This is what Christ says about his food. My food, Jesus, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. So Christ saw him himself being here as an extension of doing the Father's will. And I'm hoping that you begin to see yourself as an extension of, as of, on the same team doing the Father's will. We'll read a couple more verses. John 12 and 27. So Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. So notice in this statement, Jesus is saying, I'm troubled. I, I, you know, this, I'm right at the place where I'm going to have to, uh, this is going to be difficult. Now, let's be honest, right? This is Jesus, and he's saying, it's, this can be difficult. I'm troubled. And he says, deliver me. He could pray, deliver him. But he says, no, it's for this very reason that I came, to do the Father's will. That's important. And then 14, uh, 31, which are, we, we have quoted, but, the, but, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So this is Jesus expressing his, his doing the father's will as a love he not only has come to know what the father's will is he loves it and his love is expressed in obedience to the father's will not just blanket obedience but obedience to the father's specific will so when we we think about it for ourselves right we a person who's a Christian today might say, I'm obedient. I'm going to follow everything God said. That's not obedience. We're not here just to, for morality sake. We're here executing the father's plan. And, and if we execute the father's plan, this gives our obedience direction. It says, so if you think you're obedient and you're obeying the Mosaic law, that's not the obedience that the Father... He didn't call you to you know, fulfill the Mosaic law. We have a unique purpose, and that is to fulfill our role in the Father's plan, just like Christ did. So there is that... Uh, I think we got one more scripture here, and that's 18.11. Let's look at that. 18.11 says, Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink from the cup of the Father's plan? Uh, uh, I'm kidding, but... Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Yeah. So, the cup that the Father's given me is a metaphor for his plan. The role that Christ had while he was here. And we could e easily say that that role is different from the role that we have. Christ is the one who is the savior of the world. It's his body and so forth. We're, we are his body. It's different. 
he paid for the sins. He was the last Adam. There's some uniqueness about who he was and what he came to fulfill. Now, once he did that, and we are now in Christ, there is there is definitely a difference. Right? That's how it works. So that's how we want to focus our attention on what our role is. We're not paying for the sins of the world. That's not why we're here. But what what is our role? Right? It's to do the will of the Father. And we'll, we'll, that'll come clear as we continue. Point F. And I, <clears throat> I will do whatever you ask in my name. The in my name part is the qualifier here. Now, if he says, I'll just do whatever you ask, you just ask me, I'll do whatever you ask. According to what? You mean anything you want? As I could say, it could get ridiculous in what some things people ask. Excuse me. So, in my name, in the person and purpose of Christ. That's what that means. So, if Christ came in the Father's name, he came in the person and purpose of the Father. It was the Father who was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So Christ came in the person and purpose of the Father. Just as Jesus came in the image of the Father, we come in the image of Christ. Now, that's John 14. Let's look at a couple verses. Why is it important for us to look at this verse? And I can tell you, this 1424 verse, we have covered a lot. Because it has tremendous meaning for us. So, again, we're at 1424 to demonstrate a principle. So, what does it say? 1424, anyone who does not love me, Jesus says, will not obey my teaching. This is what Jesus is saying, my teaching. Then he says, the words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So, whose teaching is it? Is it the Father's teaching or is it Jesus's which one is it? It is the Father's teaching. Jesus taught the disciples. He presented himself to the disciples. I'm the Lord Jesus Christ. But it was really the Father teaching through Christ. Because Christ came in the image and person of the Father. This is, sounds a little difficult. But in that one verse, 24, it is clearly uh, portrayed. These words you hear. What, what words are those? The teaching are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. That verse says it more or better than any other way I could possibly say it. And then <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 2.16, when it talks about those deep things, it says that we have, but we have. Who has known uh, the mind? But it says, but we have the mind of Christ. Right? That's 1 Corinthians 2.16. So that's important to note that the mind of Christ is really the Father's plan. There's other verses that also bring that out. That's To me, it's interesting to note that. So when it says that we are... Uh, you know, we are be, to be transformed into His image and into His likeness, Literally, that's the same thing. When Christ came to represent the Father, we now come to represent Christ. And not only uh, where it says, oh, the Father's, you know, the words that the Father, but the Father was literally in Christ. That was the thing the disciples didn't believe. Don't you believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father? Or else believe the evidence of the miracles themselves. Believe it. The Father's in me. Right? The Father was present in Christ. And he, he was expressing or manifesting himself through the, per, the person of Christ. That is the same objective that we have as believers. Christ is in us. And what we manifest or portray may be just ourselves on, one, on the one hand, but it'll be Christ, the person of Christ, literally residing in us. On the other hand, same situation that we had where we just saw that of Christ. So 
in what so point f in my name right that's the in the person and purpose of christ so whatever you ask in my name in other words isn't you can you can bring to bear what the teaching is but the purpose and of the person of christ is the one who will truly be doing the teaching we're going to talk about how that dynamic works later just as jesus came in the image of the father we come in the image of christ that's point f let's go to g in christ's name now just think about this we'll we'll, talk, we'll just expand on it a little bit that means according to his purpose not our own agenda plans dreams hopes ambitions and purposes in Christ's name. And just a note, before we go to the John, you could turn to John 16. That's where we're going to be next. <clears throat> but when we pray, this is an interesting thought. We pray in the name of Christ, right? We'll say whatever our prayer is, but then we'll also say, in Christ's name, or in the name of Christ. Amen. And the reason why we do that is because we're saying that our prayer is according to a particular purpose. So if we pray, we shouldn't pray for things or pray that is, or, you know, about things that are not according to the, the Father's eternal purpose. So if we're aligned and we're on the same team as the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the church, those who are gifted to fulfill this plan, we should be praying and desiring things that are according to the plan it's like christ said and i love the father and i do exactly as the father has commanded me and we have to come to love the plan and our prayers our thoughts our desires will be according to that plan if we come to love it but it's so it, it in christ's name is the designation that we use when we pray, because it speaks of the same thing is if you ask anything, whatever you ask in my name, right? It means according to my purpose. What's Christ's purpose? The purpose, the same purpose of the Father. So it's important us that we understand in His name or uh, in the name of Christ when we pray. That's what we're saying. We're saying my prayer is according to. The eternal purpose of the Father, ultimately. So John 16, 14, and 15 says, He will glorify me, this is the Holy Spirit, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit is sort of an intermediary here. Not so much just I'm passing along information. We'll get to that more. But the Holy Spirit is receiving the information that comes from Christ to make known to us who are in Christ and the body of Christ. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And 14 is clear. It didn't say he would take information from the Father. He says he will take it from Christ. But then 15 comes along and says, All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the information that the Spirit makes known to us that comes from Christ, Christ is just confessing to us to, so we know that is the same information that is the Father's plan that comes from the Father. All that belongs to the Father's mind. In other words, the Father has given the entire plan over to Christ, right? This is for him to execute. Like he says, all these things will be accomplished in Christ Jesus. He has given over the entire plan to Christ. So now Christ has the eternal purpose of the Father. He's Lord. So we can learn the mind of Christ, we can grow into the image of Christ and all that, be transformed into his image. And what is his image? His image is to execute the Father's plan, the eternal purpose of the Father. So when we say in Christ's name and all that, that is how it works. 
I think we've explained this before, so I won't have to spend that much more time on it, but hopefully you get it. Point H. Whatever you ask in my name. So we need to understand that the omnipotence of God is ours to exercise as we ask. Now, why do I say the omnipotence of God is ours? Because God created the universe, including earth, to accomplish his purposes. In other words, he will certainly move heaven and earth to fulfill his will. So the reason why earth or time or the universe continues is because they are marching toward the completion of the Father's eternal purpose. And, and that purpose is everything. We are, I mean, and so if we are in, you know, if we are partnering with God, we are on the same team, and we're joined together, our purpose is the same. So whatever we ask, God is saying, I'll do it. Why, why would he do it? Because that is the reason why all things exist in the first place. Because God wants to accomplish his purposes. As you learn what those purposes are, and you act accordingly, you are able to exercise, or we could even say it this way, God is able to exercise his omnipotence through you. But that's not the way it's said here. He says, whatever you ask in my name. So we have opportunity to ask, to uh, be a part of what the Father's eternal purpose is. We can bring to bear our will in this. It's not just our will, but we'll, we'll get to more of this as we go into the next phrase. I mean, just imagine the fact that God created heaven and earth in order to accomplish his eternal purpose. The one we just read about in Ephesians 3.11. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we'll continue on. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Point number two, here's where we're going. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the first thought uh, is the Greek word, hina. It, it's, it means in order that, denoting the purpose or the result. Albeit because to the intent that lest so as these are all definitions of hina in the scriptures so that or to right and um, so if if we can ask whatever we want in his name so that for the purpose of the, of this what right for the purpose of what and then it's point b i just wanted to give you that important word because it's a pivotal word we can ask whatever we want in his his name, and it's not just open-ended, so that what the Father may be glorified in the Son. We'll talk about how that works. Point B, there, <clears throat> there is a purpose in our asking in this manner, that the Father is glorified in the Son. That's obvious right there in the text. If the Father is not glorified in the Son, and we're asking amiss or aside from that, then our asking is not according to, you know, the Father's will. That's according to our own will, our own lusts, our own desires, our own agenda, plans, dreams, hopes, ambitions, and purposes. We should be asking according to the Father's eternal purpose, his ambition, his dreams, his purposes. Right? Not ours. So, point C. Glorified. That the Father may be glorified. Let's look at this word glorified for a minute here. So, the Father's eternal purpose is executed according to his plan for all things. And this is what we just said earlier. Christ glorified the Father by doing his will. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by doing His will. We also glorify Christ by doing His will. Remember, Christ is our Lord. 
as we are filled with the Spirit, doing His, Christ's will, glorifies the Father. And we're going to go back to John 16, 14 and 15 to illustrate this. Same verse we just came out of. And we're going to look at 14 and 15 again. Let's look at it. Obviously, 13 talks about the Spirit of Truth coming. And we know that Spirit of Truth came at Pentecost. We know that. 14, He will glorify me. Who's He? He is God the Holy Spirit. He will come at Pentecost. And what will be His objective? He's the Spirit of Truth. Right? This world doesn't know Him. He's brand new to the world. Right? And, but He will glorify me. So how, how will he glorify Christ? It is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So what the Holy Spirit's job is to receive from Christ and make it known to us. That glorifies Christ because of him doing the work or the will of Christ. So then he says in 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine that is why I said the Spirit will receive from what is mine and will make it known to you. So the Father is going to be glorified by Christ receiving from what was his, just like the Holy Spirit received from what is Christ. The Fa Christ receives from what is the Father's, and, the, and in that the Father is glorified. Now this is, this is difficult. Let's read it again. Point C, the Father's eternal purpose is executed according to his plan for all things. Christ glorified the Father by doing his will. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by doing his will. We also glorify Christ by doing his will. As we are filled with the Spirit. So it's not just us doing whatever we think, but the Spirit will make it known to us. The Spirit also empowers us to do His will. Doing His, or Christ's will, glorifies the Father. That's what glorifies the Father as well. Point D, hopefully this, this, this will be made more clear as we go. The Father is glorified in the Son, by the Son executing His will according to, the, to His role. That's John 17. So let's look at John 17. Uh, where Christ, we already read the earlier verse in John 4, 34. So in John 17, verse 4, it says this. I have brought you glory on earth. How? By finishing the work you gave me to do. So not only is it receiving the uh, the role and making sure that you fulfill the the destiny the role that you have to play while you're here on earth right this is why we talk about um understanding the purpose for which we are called like paul says that i might walk worthy of the calling to which I, we have received that that's our our purpose right so the father had a role for the son and the son is reading this. He says, I bought you glory. How? By finishing the work you gave me to do. Now that that's Jesus talking to the father and is referring to the fact that he brought him glory. Point E, however, even though that part of the plan is finished, there is more for, uh, for sure to consider. Look at the following verses, and there, here it is, Philippians 2, 8 through 11 and 13. Let's look at this. This is another way of thinking about this. Let's, Philippians 2, 8 through 11. We're, not that you don't know these verses, but I just want to point out some things here that maybe haven't been called out. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, therefore, now this is after Christ played the role that was given him. He, he executed the Father's plan for him. Therefore, what did God the Father do? God exalted him to the highest 
place. Gave him a, a name that is above every name. The name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge, notice, Jesus Christ is Lord. When we say he's our Lord, that's for sure. He's been raised to this place where he is the Lord. And But notice those last, that last phrase in all of this. To the glory of God the Father. So this is part of the eternal purpose of the Father. And why do I say that? Because Christ being coming to this world, executing the plan as he did perfectly, is not just Christ accomplishing something on his own. It is part of the Father's will. And if he executed the Father's will, then it's to the Father's glory. I'm hoping you understand what it means when it's saying glorified, that the Father is glorified in the Son. Yeah, that's important to note because when you get to glory and, and read about being glorified and, and you glorifying this one or you being glorified, and you'll have an understanding of what is meant. Okay, point, that's that's the that was point E. That's Philippians two eight through eleven. But but then verse thirteen. Notice this: for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill. Notice His good purpose. We're not here just to be moral. We're not here just so we could get people saved. We're not. There's a purpose that's behind this, and that purpose funnels up to to the glory of God the Father. We are here to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, not ours. Remember, we're on the same team. But what, what, are the, what is the objective? What's the goal of the team? To fulfill the Father's purpose, his eternal purpose. That's important for us to note. Point F. Ultimately, we are here because of the Father's eternal purpose. That's the reason why this age exists. Right? That's the reason why we are here, because we were called from eternity past to be in this particular age. So I say learn to recognize and orient to the time in which you live. Uh, I'm going to just look at that from Ephesians. Right? This is how important it is for us to, to orient to that. Ephesians 2, 9. This is an interesting thought. Ephesians 3, 2 says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. So that word, surely you have heard about the administration. That word has been translated ministration, but it's also the same word you may be more familiar with, dispensation. Oikonomia is the Greek word. So that is reference to a time period where the father is ruling over his household in a particular way. It is said that to where this was this administration was a mystery. It wasn't it was hidden. It was not seen. It was not on the table before. But now Paul is saying this administration, this time period where God is ruling over his household in a particular way, is now on the table. And he says, Surely you've heard about it. Because right, I've been talking a lot about it. And reading this, verse 4, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So, oikoinomia is a reference to how God is ruling over his household. It's different from Israel. It's It's new. We, there's lots of tenets that are that we could establish in verses six and seven, 
follow that. But I want to point your attention to verse 9. So uh, in verse 9 it says, And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Now really, that word administration that's there is not the same word that's in verse 2. Even though in English, the, the translator said the same thing. What is that word that is said in verse 9 that's different? What's different about it? It is the word trans that we tr use for fellowship. Yeah, the word is koin koinomia, koinomia, not oikoinomia. You might say it's, it's the very same word. It's different, two different words. So oikoinomia, I already described to you what that is. But this word, koinomia, is the word that we translate fellowship, partnership, participation, social intercourse, or you know, a benefaction, a, you know, communication is fellowship, you could say, association, right? When we talk about being in fellowship with God, notice that our fellowship is around the mystery. It's not just, well, we're in having fellowship and that means we're, we're congenial and communicating and we can talk about anything and that's the fellowship. We're, in, we're on good terms. We're having a great conversation, so we're having great fellowship. That's not it. So the first three, two talks about the dispensation, which was the period of time which was hidden. Verse 9, still talking about that same period because the reference is the mystery. But it's talking about that every, he wants to make plain to everyone what our association, right? how we interact with the mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God. And you know our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. That's the fellowship that John talks about in 1 John. But notice the fellowship of the mystery is what is being said here. Which for ages past was kept hidden in God. So how now the mystery was not revealed. So how would our interaction of how we respond to the mystery. And notice, we have a part to play in this. It's not just that we have this heaped upon us and say, this is how we must respond. He's saying that our contribution is a fellowship with the mystery, an interaction, a social intercourse, and give and take when it comes to our contribution. Like, like it says in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, where it says that this wisdom was destined for our glory before time began. So we are to have a part in this wisdom. Wisdom is our experience on the ground, literally. So there's two, two words that we could spring out. And then if you go to Colossians, uh, I'm going to just take you to Colossians 1. In Colossians 1, uh, we have uh, where Paul says this in verse uh, 25. I have become its servant by the commission God... He's, when its is the church, right? I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now, what's the commission here? Uh, the, what, do you, what word is it? Is it a word for fellowship or you know, that we translated that? Or is it a word for dispensation or administration? Oikoinomia. It's the word for dispensation. I have become its servant. By the dispensation, God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So there's that word, administration, dispensation. Again, it's not the word for fellowship. But notice, it's a totally different word, commission, being used here by the NIV translators. And notice, this brings about not only a, a dispensation, not only is it that we have fellowship with the mystery, but this brings out to us 
that the word of God is going to now be given in its fullness. That's the pleroma of the word of God. That means a filling up of deficiency. So the deficiency was, okay, the word of God wasn't complete in the Old Testament up to now, up to this point. But now God is saying, everything that I have now, everything that is in my heart, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you the word of God in its fullness. What is that? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, back to our notes. <laughs> Some off, off a little bit. Ultimately, we are here because the fathers of the Father's eternal purpose. Learn to recognize and orient to the time in which you live. So then there's this last phrase. Okay, let's put a whole, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Hopefully we got a little bit of understanding there. And he continues, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So our Lord says in verse point A, I will do it. And ask the question, how so, when he is going away? Like he's clearly saying, I'm going away. But then on the other hand, he says, I will do it. Interesting. So point B, the spirit of truth is the way. That's how he will do it. I'm going to look at 26. Going back to John chapter 14, verse 26. 14... So it says, but the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy, another who is of the same kind, who is coming, right? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Literally. Christ says, I will do it. Remember, we're all on the same team. Christ, the Father, Christ, the Holy Spirit, us. That's one team, one purpose, one plan. So the spirit of truth, when you look at the context, and he says, if I don't go away, the spirit of truth can't come. right? And then all this, even in, when you get to um, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And who is that? The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. We're going to get to all these verses as we continue and we will deal with them in detail. But just to note, the answer to that is through the spirit, right? The spirit. And, and we know that when the spirit comes, Jesus says, I will make myself known to you. He's saying things like, I will do it. Literally. Point C. Importantly, we see verses 16 and 17 and 20C. Jesus says in 20C, I am in you. Just like he was trying to demonstrate that, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's look at, we saw 16 and 17. We read that. Spirit of truth, world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Right? And then he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. Now that's coming in the previous next point. But verse 20, on that day, you will realize what? I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. When he says, I am in the Father, that is the same thing he had been talking about earlier. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Same thing, but he adds something. And you are in me, and I am in you. So when you ask, how will he do it? The Lord says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, him doing it is in you. He's in you doing it. 
So point D, the dynamics of the church are unfolding as we begin to see this. The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Literally, that's what it says. The hope of glory. Absolute confidence of glory. Christ already is glorified. Father raised him to the highest place and, and, and give him a name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow, tongue, uh, every tongue should confess him to the glory of God the Father. Christ has been glorified to the glory of God the Father. So that's these dynamics as we read these verses that we're, we're going to examine these phrases to try to understand these dynamics even more as we go forward. Our time is fleeting at this point. And point E, uh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, point E. All of this is made possible by means of the new ministries of the Spirit and the unique assets provided in this age. Just like Christ says here, but you will see me because I live you will live also. You also will live. To me, that exemplifies the fact of what the Christian life is. Christian life is not just us behaving like Christ. The Christian life, life is us allowing Christ to live in us. Point F, an interesting thought. We're also given a role to play here using the wisdom of God to work according to his will. This is, when you think about this, this is our role. This is, God didn't just say, you know, we have nothing to, you know, contribute here. We do have something to contribute. It is under, so we are to contribute to use our creativity under the filling of the Spirit once we understand and love his will. Consider this. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all stand at the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So if we're going to be rewarded for our contributions, that means there are contributions that God expects us to make. He didn't just craft the Father's plan, right, and, and begin to execute the Father's plan apart from us. It includes us. It doesn't just include our participation as bodies, but our thinking, our will, our love for the Father's eternal purposes. And that what proves that is that we will be rewarded for our contribution. That's interesting to me. That we have a say in this plan. It is not, we won't alter the plan, obviously, but we have an opportunity to create and to be creative in wisdom within the plan, in conjunction, in cooperation, in fellowship with the plan. That's something, this is, this is unique for the Father. We're talking about the eternal purpose of all things. For us to be able to behave in cooperation with that eternal purpose is amazing. So this begins to turn to a whole new way of looking at things that Christ opened and introduced. Our next verse is a short one, but it will be standing alone. If you love me, keep my commands. Just think about what that is saying to us. We'll get to that next week. But point, last point, there's certainly more to follow here as the context unfolds more of this glorious age that we're living in. Hopefully we'll have all the time we need to just explore these things as far as we want. We'll take our time. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Again, we've had 
to fellowship, not only in your word, but according to the revelation of the mystery. Thank you so much for calling us from eternity past so that we're here right now. We pray for a word is truth wherever they may be. And we pray that we will be challenged to continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we will come to understand your will and to come to love it as well. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.